Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. That's just the Lord preparing me. I've been trying to prep myself for Winnipeg by sticking my head in the freezer every day. And, um, and so... The Lord took mercy on me and just made the whole city cold. And so there we go. Um, it's really grateful. I'm really grateful to be here. Pastor Lisa, thank you so much. Um, thank you to everybody. You've made these last five and a half years very special for my family and I. And we are so thankful to have been able to serve here um, in the different capacities and the different ways that we did. And so thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your kind words. Thanks for laughing at my jokes. You make me feel like I'm funny, and um, it's great, and um, I'm just really thankful. So, so thank you, and I'm thankful to the Lord uh, for bringing us here for these last, this last season. So that's good, but you didn't come to hear from me. You came here to hear from the Lord. And so if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 has, it's, I was praying about what, 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 do you, what do you end with? And so I went to my favorite Bible story and thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach from here. And my prayer is that each of us would hear from the Lord today, that we would leave here um, different than the way that we came, because God is a real God, and he's present, he's a person not just a worldview, not just a philosophy, not just some, some, some way of thinking. He's a person. God is a person. And the Holy Spirit is here. And so before I read this scripture, we're going to invite God to speak to us as individuals. Okay? So would you close your eyes with me? Lord, thank you that you're real. Thank you that you're here. God, thank you that I get to be here. We get to be here. Father, may we leave here different than the way that we came in. God, if we came in with heavy burdens, if we came in and it with a, special, a sense of heaviness, God, we just give that to you. Any nervousness, anxiety, fear, we give it to you. And God, we pray for peace this morning, that you give us comfort this morning, that we leave here having heard from you. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, let's go. Mark chapter two, here we go. Verse one says this, the words are on the screen. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, people were coming from all over and the place was jam-packed. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. And then they lowered the man down on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to them, or said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why, why, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to, the, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man 
has the authority to forgive the sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming this sentence. We've never seen anything like this before. And this is my prayer for us as a church. This is my prayer for us as individuals, that as we seek the Lord together, that we'll find ourselves in a season where we are saying things that sound a lot like, wow, God is so real. I am seeing things that I have never seen before. That's the prayer. And that is an absolute possibility because God is who he says he is. And the same God who is present when this book was written is the same God that we all sung to and worshiped this morning. So elevate your faith today because I believe God has something for Coastline Church in this next season. So let's unpack this, this little story together, shall we? Verse one, it says these words. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. There was so many people. Just imagine what it would be like if all of a sudden you heard today that Jesus was coming over to Oliver's house. Everybody would want to go to Oliver's house. You would cram in there, you'd stand in every nook and cranny, you'd stand behind the couch, you'd stand on top of the couch, you'd spy in from the bathroom, you'd spy in through the windows, you'd spy in even throughout the door because there would be no room because everybody would want to hear, not from Oliver, but from Jesus. And the first thing we see in this story, right off the top, the secret to church growth is Jesus. The secret to filling a room is Jesus. These TVs are super cool. These lights are super cool. Pastor Luke sounds like an angel. But it is only Jesus who has the power to set you free. It is only Jesus who has the power to transform a person's life. It is only Jesus who can restore marriage. Only Jesus who can, who can turn somebody from addiction to freedom. This freedom course is great, but it's not the curriculum that sets you free. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. So the secret to church growth is Jesus. The secret to personal growth is Jesus. And what I love about Coastline Church is Pastor Lisa, Pastor Andy, they get this. It's all about Jesus here. And so if you're visiting for the first time, you've come to the right place. While he was preaching to the word of, the word of God to them, the Bible says, this is Mark chapter two. It says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now these four Bible characters are arguably my favorite characters in the entire Bible. And I love them for a few reasons, because I feel that these guys, what they do is they model the heart of Christianity in its absolute purest form. What do we learn from these four guys? The first thing we learn is that they're not even named. We spend so much time as Christians trying to make a name for ourselves. 
Here's these four men. They're not even, not even, not even footnoted to give us their names. Z- I call him Zulu. That's a weird name. But maybe his name was Zulu. Who knows? Who nobody knows? They're anonymous. The four men, they, they, they work together to help somebody in need, which is a beautiful picture, a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. The four men, they, they didn't bring themselves to Jesus like everybody else did there. They brought somebody with them to Jesus, which is a powerful picture. They brought somebody with them. They, they didn't care about their own name, their own legacy. They worked together to try and help somebody in need. That's a, that's a fine way to look at Christianity. It says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. And I want to highlight this observation of mine. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. This implies that it's entirely possible to be an obstacle for somebody else's encounter with God. And what's fascinating about that is nobody in that room who was there who had gathered to hear from Jesus, nobody was intentionally being an obstacle. (laughs) Nobody would have articulated it that way. Nobody would have saw it like that. They would have all seen it as, I am hungry for Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. I need to see Jesus. And they were so focused on Jesus that they didn't pay attention to anything that was going on around them. And so it's, imp- it's possible to be so focused on Jesus, so heavenly bent, that we're no longer any earthly good. It's an interesting thought. The four men were unable to bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. You know, they, they could have settled right there, but they didn't. They could have said to themselves, you know, you know, this just isn't the right day. Why, why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you just stay here? We'll wait till Jesus is done. Maybe just maybe afterwards, then we can have an opportunity. Maybe, maybe that's what we can do. And something I've noticed in my own life is that when I'm doing something noble, or when I'm trying to do something uh, where it takes some faith, when I'm trying to step out and do something good, it's really easy for me to give up at the first, at like just the, the first sense of any type of obstacle. When living as a Christian, opposition and obstacles, they, they're, they're not a sign that you need to change course. Sometimes we need to push through. And I want to encourage you. Be the type of Christian that pushes through. Where if we see an obstacle in front of us, we see some type of obstruction, we see some type of, let's make it a little more real, some sort of excuse. Be the Christian that perseveres. Be the Christian that listens to Jesus and does what he says. Be the Christian that that follows through on the step of faith that we've committed to take. So this is what these four guys do. And I love this story because it's weird. And the Bible is full of awesome, weird stories. Verse four, they can't get into the house. One guy gets this bright idea. Guys, you know what we should do? We should climb on the roof. 
cut a hole in and lure this guy in on a mat. And somehow somebody's like, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea. Let's do it. And so, so, so they pick this guy up and they, they, they sneak onto the roof. And they get themselves onto the roof. And it says in verse 4, so they dug a hole through the whole roof above Jesus' head. Now, I want you to picture the awkwardness of this moment. I, like, there's no way it would have looked like this, but in my mind, this is how I picture it. I picture the roof kind of like this, and I picture this saw coming through. And I picture Jesus preaching, continuing to talk. I picture sawdust coming down all around him. I picture everybody looking up and trying to look back at Jesus, and Jesus not breaking his sentence, not breaking his stride. Everybody in the room kind of distracted, looking up, but looking back at Jesus, thinking to themselves, what is going on? And then they cut this hole. Mid-sermon, mid-church service, Jesus is preaching. And slowly, not gracefully, I think we always picture this as graceful, slowly, Watch it, watch, 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 watch. And in the middle of the service, this, this human being gets lowered down right in front of everybody. This paralyzed man on a mat is now lying in the middle of the floor, right in front of Jesus, right in front of everybody. There's a hole in the roof. There's four little heads like, hi. And the whole situation would have been absolutely bizarre. Talk about an interesting church service. Mid-sermon, a paralyzed man. This moment would have been unforgettable. These four men, they took a risk that day. And what I love most about this particular story is that this is a story of four men taking a risk and doing something absolutely unprecedented in order to help a vulnerable person encounter Jesus. We need more Christians like that. This paralyzed man on a mat was not coming to church that day. The only reason that paralyzed man on a mat had an encounter with Jesus is because four able-bodied men took a risk, worked together, and did whatever they could to bring this man to Jesus. And when we as a church figure this out, we're going to see revival. We're going to see an unprecedented move of God, the likes of which we haven't seen. I think, I think the next move of God will come on the back heels of that type of radical Christian living. It's putting your money where your mouth is. It's not just praying for revival. It's not just praying that God would do something. What these four men illustrated was they, they illustrated they will do anything, absolutely anything, to get people in front of Jesus. And as we as individuals hyper-focus on reaching the lost, 
hyper-focus on reaching the vulnerable around us, I believe we will see God do things we never thought were even possible. Verse five, I love verse five. It says these words. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. It says, seeing their faith, not seeing the paralyzed man's faith, not seeing everybody who had gathered to watch Jesus preach his faith, Seeing the faith of the four men in the ceiling hole, seeing their faith, based off their faith, Jesus looked at that man and said, you know what, sir? Your sins are forgiven. You hear that? This verse implies that it is, that it is actually feasibly possible that your faith can influence somebody else's life. It's not just your personal faith for your personal advantage. You have a personal faith that actually impacts the people that are around you. Organized programs and strategies are helpful. Alpha program, so helpful. Freedom, so helpful. Our next steps, things that we do here at the church, so helpful. These are how we bring people to Jesus. But never forget that at its purest form, it's a personal, radical relationship with Jesus that changes everything. All these programs point to Jesus. Verse six, it continues. Some of them, teachers. These, these, these teachers of the religious laws. Those, those ones who, who were sitting there listening to Jesus preach. It says The Bible says that they, they thought to themselves, what is he saying? So they didn't say this out loud. What is he saying? <laughs> what a fool. This man's faith impacts this man on the ground. Impossible. It's a personal faith. Who is this man who claims he can forgive sins? That's a pretty good Pharisee voice, hey? <laughs> I practiced that in the mirror. No big deal. They didn't audibly speak. The Bible says they thought. They thought these things. And there's a piece of me that thinks the same thing. I'm like, how can you forgive this man's sin? He didn't, he didn't even ask. He didn't even say it. Like, like, well, how is it applying to them? Like, how, how did this even work? Well, what is happening? And what Jesus does, he hears their thoughts. And they're thinking to themselves, what are they saying? This, this, is, this, is, this is blasphemy. Like, 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 only God can forgive sins. This doesn't make any sense. And I want to give you this warning. Be careful not to be too quick to judge when you see God doing something new. These teachers of religious law, they weren't villains. And I think every time we as preachers, we, we, we talk about Pharisees or teachers of religious law, we always throw them in this like super evil category. <laughs> and we paint this picture like, like Pharisees are the worst. But in truth, they were a lot like you and me. 
They were a lot like you and me when we get too rigid with our customs and our practices and our beliefs. And customs and practices and beliefs are so important. But the foundation of our customs and our practices and our beliefs needs to be Jesus. And when we miss that, everything gets askew. And this is why I believe it's so important today for all of us, especially as we step into this new season, as we step into 2024, what next step are you going to take this year to get closer to Jesus? The Freedom Program, great idea. Signing up for a small group today, great idea. Like, what next step are you going to take? I, I love how Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Totally different story, but same theme. It applies. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, this is what Paul says, and, and, and it's so helpful for us. Anybody that tells you that this book, the Bible, does not apply to 2024 hasn't read it. This book understands the human heart. It understands our nature. Like, listen to his words. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And we as Christians, we can fall into this category so easily. Unintentionally. But it just happens. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them, it says. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Don't just pretend to love others. Really, really love them because this is why. This is why. And this story helps paint it out because Jesus knows your thoughts. Jesus knows your heart. He knows your mind. You, you can trick your spouse into thinking you're more Christian than you are. You can trick your, your, your small group or your friends that you're, you're doing a little bit better spiritually than you actually are. You can trick your pastor. You can even trick yourself. But we can't trick Jesus. And this is what we see in this moment. He, he, he knows us. And next, what Jesus does is he, he, he stirs the pot in the best kind of way. And he looks out at everybody in the room and, and he asks this question. He says, is it easier, ladies and gentlemen, you're here to hear me preach? Well, listen, is it easier for me to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? And everybody would be like, well, yeah, totally. <laughs> or would it be easier for me to say this? How about stand up, pick up your mat and Walk. So I'll prove to you, the Bible says, I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And everybody's in that room, they're thinking to themselves, oh, this is gonna be sick. Like, 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 like all of a sudden, Jesus is like, you wanna see something? I'm gonna show you something. You don't think I can do this? Watch this. And exhausted by their disbelief, Jesus flexes pretty hard and in front of everybody creates the sermon illustration of sermon illustrations. 
Because all of a sudden, Jesus says this in verse 10. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man on the mat, and he says to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And this next act is easier said than done. Because in this particular moment, that paralyzed man had to choose in front of everybody. Do I risk embarrassment? Do I risk failure? Do I risk looking stupid? I can't walk, Jesus. I was lowered down on a mat. How how humbling and humiliating can you get? And you're telling me right now in front of everybody to stand up? That's impossible to pick up this mat and, and just go home? And he would have been sitting there on the floor having to make the biggest decision of his life. Do I risk looking stupid? Do I risk failure? Or do I listen to Jesus and do what he says? And then the Bible says, with this very heavy heart, and the, the, the tension of this very public moment. Everybody watching this man. What's going to happen next? What's he going to do? The man takes the risk. And it says he jumped up. It wasn't this frail little standing. It was he jumped he jumped up. He, he grabbed his mat, just as Jesus had said. And then he walked through the, the, it says, the stunned onlookers. Everybody's jaws nearly hitting the floor. He just walks out, thanks, Jesus, peace. And he just walks right out of the room. And everybody's scratching their heads. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And it's not just the fact that they had seen a man stand up and walk out of the room. They had never seen a Jesus who can forgive sins because he just proved in front of everybody that he was, in fact, the Son of God. I believe as we step into 2024 that these three commands are linked to our own personal spiritual breakthrough. In order to step into what God wants for you, I believe number one, it's time for you to stand up. I believe there's something prophetic in those words. It's time, Coastline Church, to stand up. No more sitting on the sidelines. No more watching God move through other people's lives. 
it's time to stand up. What is God calling you to do specifically? Oh, there's a lot of small groups in this church. Yeah, but maybe God's calling you to start a small group. What is God calling you to do? Who is God calling you to reach? Maybe it's that frustrating neighbor next door who has a loud barking dog and drives you crazy. (laughs) Maybe it's that person you're supposed to reach. Maybe it's a loved one who has hurt you, hurt you. And maybe it's time for them to be reached by God. Who's God calling you to reach? It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up. It's time to think like those four men. Like, is, is there a vulnerable person in your life that you can befriend and advocate for? What would that look like? If every one of us in this room found a vulnerable person and said, let me come and help you. Number two, so pick up your mat. And this mat represents your story. It represents your testimony. And I want to challenge you to commit to speaking up, to speaking out and picking up your mat. No more silence. You need to share with people the good things God is doing in your life. People need to hear that God still does miracles. Because you need to understand this. People need to see what Jesus has done in you so they can see what God can do in them. You're a billboard. And the church, or the community, needs to see that the church is still alive. And finally, number three, I believe Jesus is saying it's time to go home. It's time to show those closest to us how Jesus has transformed your life. Let's be honest. It's easy to be Christian in this room. It's easy to be a husband in this room. It's harder to be a good husband when we go home. It's harder to be a good parent when when we're not in, in, in the church setting or in real life. Or it's harder to be a Christian when we're at work. Or it's harder to be a Christian when we're at school. It's harder to be Christian. It's harder to be Christian outside of these walls. And I think one of the most powerful things of this story is Jesus saying to this paralyzed man on the mat, you know what, you're not just healed for this moment. You're healed for at home too. (laughs) Take this home with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I'd love to pray for you. I'm going to pray two prayers this morning. The first prayer, man, if 2023 was rocky for you and you'd like to leave here knowing that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, maybe today you want to start that relationship for the first time. You didn't know that Jesus could forgive people, transform their lives, and have them go home a different person. (laughs) Or maybe you want to restart your relationship with Jesus because you realize you've settled for something less. And today you want to draw that line in the sand and say, Jesus, I want all of you in my life. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip your hand up for a quick sec? I'd love to pray for you. Yeah, 
thank you. Anyone else? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hold my word. Hands everywhere. If you raised your hand, I invite you to pray with me. If you didn't raise your hand, I invite you to pray with me. This is a great prayer. I pray all the time. It recenters me. But just pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you're real. And first and foremost, God, I just want to say sorry. Sorry for the things that I've done that have hurt other people. Sorry for the things that I've done that have hurt you. Or even the things I've done that have hurt myself. God, forgive me. Would you please come into my heart? Come into my life. Show me what it means to be a Christian. Thank you for your cross. Thank you that you can forgive me. Thank you for the new life I can have in you. Show me what it means for you to be my Lord and Savior as I step into this next year. I love you, Lord. I give you my day. I give you my heart. And I give you my life. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. The second prayer I want to pray. If you'd be willing to step out this year and be like those four men who lowered the man on the mat, if you'd be willing to, to make a commitment to, to keep your eyes open and, and look for the vulnerable, if you'd be willing to commit to, to try and do the best you can to, to create pathways for people to come to God and meet Jesus, if you'd be willing to make a commitment to, to, to take a risk, to, to commit for standing up for those who don't have a voice, if this is you, would you stand to your feet? I'd love to pray for you. As one final prayer before I move to Winnipeg. This is my last time preaching on staff, but I'll come back and preach sometime for sure. I'll be back. Would you close your eyes with me? Much put your hands in a posture of receiving. Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you've been doing here. I thank you for the strong, rich, 100-year legacy of being a Holy Spirit-empowered, Jesus-centered movement for God. But Jesus, as we step into this next season, we take personal responsibility to move this call forward. So God, I pray for each person who stood with me this morning, that you would help them to see people the way you see people, that you would help them to see themselves the way you see them, that you would use them to impact this city and do things the likes of which they never even thought possible. I pray your richest blessings over this congregation. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that Holy Spirit, you would empower them. I pray that Holy Spirit, you would move through them. I pray that God, we'd be able to leave here different than the way that we came in. Jesus, you are real. You are here. And God, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise for what it is that you have have done, are doing, and will do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's worship together.